When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an iHeartRadio podcast. The Soundtrack Show will begin in 5, 4, 3. The film score for The Goonies is both a throwback to music of adventure movies past and a snapshot of contemporary mid-80s pop. This is The Soundtrack Show. Welcome back to The Soundtrack Show. I'm your host, David W. Collins. And in this episode, we'll be discovering some musical treasures in a film from 1985 called The Goonies, a film from Warner Brothers, executive produced by Steven Spielberg, directed by Richard Donner of Superman fame, with a score by Dave Grusin. Ready, action! We're just making an ordinary adventure here, ordinary fantasy. Nothing extraordinary happens in this picture at all. These kids are all kind of like friends. They're all sort of outcasts. They need each other because the uh, more popular kids don't want anything to do with them. And they get bored one day and they have the most extraordinary adventure that any adult could possibly imagine. Ready, and shoot it, number one. Before we begin, I want to open with an opinion of mine that I've been slowly demonstrating, I hope, over many episodes of the Soundtrack Show. And that opinion is this. Film music and film composer's greatest champion, its greatest ally in the last quarter of the 20th century was director and producer Steven Spielberg. Not only because of his incredible collaboration with John Williams, whom he sought out after he heard the score for the Cowboys and the Reavers and said, oh my gosh, I bought these records and I want you for my film Sugarland Express and then eventually Jaws. And not just because he connected John Williams to George Lucas, which is why we have those incredible Star Wars cores, but because Spielberg, like many of us, is incredibly passionate about film music in general. And when he placed himself in the executive producer role on certain films, like The Goonies, we've been given evidence that he personally got involved with the film scores on multiple occasions. The first that we discussed was Alan Silvestri's score for Back to the Future, same year, 1985. We discussed this in my three-part series on the soundtrack show, Back to the Future, the music. Silvestri noted that Steven Spielberg had him rewrite the score after he heard it, 
He had to go through a lot of iteration in order to get it right for Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis. And this pushed him to make that score even better. The end result is, of course, a timeless film score, forgive the pun, that greatly benefited from Spielberg's involvement. With the music for Goonies, we have evidence that something very similar happened. Dave Grusin comments on the liner notes of his Verace Saraband album release of his film score, not the pop album, but the film score, more on that later. He comments about this phenomenon in the liner notes. Quote, When I was asked to write the score for a kid's movie, my first reaction was, are you kidding me? How could I maintain my cool dignity as a serious composer? Would it just be like cartoon music or nursery songs? This, of course, was before I had looked into the unbelievable and creative complexity of what kind of score this film would require. And before I realized it was an opportunity to work with Steven Spielberg, the major domo of film music directors. This is the good part here. He not only has an innate sense of what music can do for film, he is in fact a score groupie with an amazing knowledge of the medium from the beginnings of sound recording. He really loves it. Richard Donner directed this complicated story full of special effects and extreme characters from the full spectrum of good and evil. When it came to discussing the music, for some reason, Stephen was always present. He never relinquished his total involvement in getting the music where he wanted it. And although it took some rewriting and re-recording, the process was never unpleasant. It was like going to school, and graduation would be when Stephen was happy. End quote. There it is, black and white, clear as crystal. The Goonies is a film score by a composer that has been clearly guided by the same aesthetic, the same creative voice that gave us the music for Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Jaws, Poltergeist, and E.T. Having said all of that, let's turn our attention to The Goonies itself and its film composer, Dave Grusin. Born in Littleton, Colorado in 1934, the son of a pianist, Grusin took to the piano himself at a young age. After finishing school at University of Colorado Boulder in their College of Music, he went on to be a band leader as well as a pianist and keyboard player for some of the greatest players out there in all kinds of genres, jazz, funk, rhythm and blues, and more. Quincy Jones, the brothers Johnson, Patty Austin, Sergio Mendez, Diane Shore, Donna Summer, Al Jarreau, and many, many more. But along the way, he also found himself scoring music for TV and movies. Early on in his career, his music was heard alongside Simon and Garfunkel in 1968's The Graduate, and he's had a steady stream of TV and film scores ever since. Good Times, St. Elsewhere, On Golden Pond, Tootsie, The Milagro Beanfield War, which he won an Academy Award for, The Fabulous Baker Boys, The Firm, and so many more. But in 1985, as we heard earlier, he was asked to do a kids movie. And what we end up hearing is a true meld of the classic Hollywood style of film scoring with Grusin's unique musical voice. We'll demonstrate this as we go along. And we'll also talk about some classic movie Easter eggs that are in The Goonies, most likely because of Spielberg, the film music buff, calling some shots behind the scenes. So let's get into the movie, The Goonies. Though the movie today has aged somewhat in tone and style, you can still feel its influence today on Stranger Things, Spy Kids, Venture Brothers, and so many more. 
And on a personal note, the Goonies hit me at the perfect time in my childhood. I was 10 years old and I was watching these kids, Mikey, Brandt, Data, Mouth, Chunk, Andy, and Steph. I was watching them have an adventure to save their home and keep their friends together. And that really resonated with me, especially since it came out after I had changed schools the year before. And yeah, I rode my bike everywhere around town, unattended, just like they do in the film. So in short, your host is a fan of this cult classic. Like many movies that were emerging from this neoclassical film score era, thanks to the popularity of many of Spielberg's movies, The Goonies definitely has some musical thematic writing, leitmotif type of writing. It has themes. Some hit you over the head, they're big and loud and proud. And some are a bit more thoughtful and subtle. The Goonies themselves actually do have a main theme, and it's surprisingly sweet. Grusin didn't decide to use a big, swashbuckling fanfare as his main Goonies theme, more on that later, even though it's a movie about kids searching for lost pirate treasure. Instead, he focused his theme on the emotional underpinning that drives these kids to take on this adventure in the first place. They're going to have to move. Their neighborhood in Astoria, Oregon, which they call the Goondocks, is being torn down to make way for a rich kid country club and golf course. Without money, their parents are all being forced to sell, and all of the kids are moving away from each other, pulling tight-knit friendships apart. This emotional headspace is where our theme for the Goonies lives, and it goes like this. For an A major here, goes like this. This is kind of the important part here. repeats. Harmonically, this very much feels like a late 20th century pop ballad. Those chord changes are great. There's all this sort of enharmonic action going on. Um, Really, really cool. I mean, heck, this part right here almost sounds like love lift us up where we belong. That Joe Cocker tune from An Officer and a Gentleman just a few years prior. We feel Grusin's style really come through here. A unique sound that undoubtedly comes from his years of playing that works beautifully when played by an orchestra. Let's take a listen to how this theme appears in the film. Can I help you? Hello, little guys. I'm Mr. Perkins, Troy's father. We know who Troy is. He's such a cheap guy. My dad's not home, Mr. Perkins. Is your mommy here? No, sir. Actually, she's not at the market buying pampers for all his kids. (laughs) Paper, Joe. You can give these papers to your father to uh, read through and sign. We'll be by to pick them up in the morning. Thank you. Thank you. Brand, what is all that stuff? It's Dad's business. But what is it? I told you it was Dad's business. Look at him smiling. They can't wait until tomorrow when they foreclose on all the whatever you call it. 
trash the goondocks. When they wreck our house, I hope they make it a sand trap. And never get their balls out. You know, I think they made me lose my appetite. to be pretty sure of yourself. The foreclosure is a definite. You know, I think one of the reasons The Goonies has endured as a classic is because of the amount of heart that's on display right here. Wonderful direction, wonderful performances by the kids. We understand very early on in the movie that this is these kids' last weekend together as a group, as a tight-knit group of friends. They're about to lose their homes, their safe space, and their friendships. This is before the internet. You know, if you weren't around each other and you moved away, Even calling each other was long distance. And this music really drives this point home. And man, Josh Brolin as Brandt and Sean Astin as Mikey really get me. Every single time I watch that scene between the two of them, the tough older brother being there for his sibling, giving him a bear hug, and then scooping him up and dragging him around the side of the house on the porch. It's truly endearing. And honestly, it makes me miss my one older brother every time I see that scene. It's a testament to gruesome score. And it's vital to our story. As zany and as loud as these kids are going to get, which is really what we're about to cover after this, we know that it's grounded in a plot point that makes us root for these kids. This theme appears again, by the way, in the end credits as more of a piano-driven pop ballad. saying to yourself, man, this is not the music that I think of when I think about the Goonies. And I hear you. But interestingly enough, Grusin called this melody the Goonies theme. In fact, the soundtrack album that was released with this movie is a collection of pop hits led by artist Cyndi Lauper, which we'll talk about in a bit. But a point of interest to be made here is that Dave Grusin only had one track on that release from his film score, and it was at the very end of the album. The track in question? You guessed it, the piano version of the Goonies theme. Of all the music in the picture, this is the cut that was considered the theme song and was possibly being considered for contemporary radio play. Before we move on to other film score music by Grusin, this Goonies theme does play several times throughout the movie. Actually, it plays more than you think once you get it in your head. And it's treated very differently in a lot of different permutations when you hear it. For example, it plays here when the boys first discover the restaurant near the lighthouse, and we hear a different, more victorious treatment of the main theme. 
sometimes it's used as victory when the kids overcome obstacles, like solving puzzles. This is when I told you it was kind of the important part here. That ba-bum, bum, bum, ba-bum, bum. And we should note this figure up top. Here in this key. Kind of a little melodic figure that plays between each expression of the main melody. We hear it when the Goonies are taking a break from the action. A bathroom break. And Andy ends up kissing the wrong brother. Listen to that shimmering synthesizer sound. It's something we should take note of. It's one of the ways that Grusin makes this mid-80s kids' adventure feel like it belongs in the mid-80s. This keyboard sound, most likely from a Yamaha DX7, shimmers like the jewels that they're hoping to find. And it definitely stands out from the traditional orchestral instruments. In fact, this sound, the one that was playing this... It's a true staple of the whole film score. One of the things that seems to grow out of this main theme is another motif that plays constantly throughout the Goonies, and it should be very familiar to you. It starts out like this. This is a bit more mysterious. Still an A, but then you get this D major 7 chord arpeggio. But then it goes down here, and it goes up to B flat and gets very mysterious. B flat minor 7 at 9. And then back over here. And then a deceptive cadence here, which is really nice. Let's hear this piece in the scene where the kids find the treasure map in Mikey and Brant's attic towards the top of the movie. Hey, you guys, look at it. Hey, you guys ever heard of this guy? Look, Chester Copperpot. Chester Copperpot. Look, it says, Chester Copperpot, missing while in pursuit of local legend. Reclusive scavenger claims I have the key to one-eyed Willie. Wow, do you guys realize what we could do? Nobody ever found nothing, you guys. I mean, why do you think this map would be up here in this attic when it could be in some safety deposit box somewhere, right? That's right. And anyway, if Chester Copperpot didn't find it, how would we find it? But what if? You guys, just what if this map could lead to one-eyed Willie's rich stuff? Maybe. Then we wouldn't have to leave the goondocks. Come on, Mike. I don't want to go on any more of your crazy goonie adventures. I really like this motif. First of all, it's, as I said, a descending arpeggio of a D major 7 chord. But that's not a D in the root. It's an A. 
This means that it's unresolved. If you played it like this, then it wouldn't need to go anywhere. But with an A in the bass, it has to go somewhere. We want it to resolve to something. So now we hear it go minor, here. Pinpointing danger. Perhaps the promise of a dangerous adventure that lies ahead if they actually pursue this treasure. Then you get the unresolved major version again. But then you get this wonderful, deceptive cadence into F-sharp major 7. And that's a really, that is a full happy resolution because you've got F-sharp in the bass. So it kind of lands there and it lands in, an, in a way that is comforting. A promise of happier times may lie ahead for these kids if they could just find that treasure before the end of the weekend. Another thing I really like about this music and this figure, besides the shimmering synth patch and besides the harmonic storytelling going on, which I just laid out, another thing that I like is that it also is a literal score for what we're seeing on the screen. Weather. Having spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest myself, and a fair share along the Oregon coast, I can tell you that it's foggy, cold, and it rains a lot. And in this scene, up in the attic, the rain effect that's happening certainly matches the cloudy exteriors that we see when they shot most of the scenes in Oregon. And this descending line is kind of a nod to the rain and thunder as the Goonies start to form a plan. And now for a brief intermission. We return now to the Soundtrack Show. What's an adventure without villains? The Goonies opens up in a jail cell, and a man escapes, fleeing in a getaway car where his mother and brother are waiting for him. Meet the Fratellis, the crime family on the run in Astoria, Oregon. And as they leave the prison and embark on a high-speed chase, we hear some very exciting music right at the top of this picture. First of all, it's set in a minor key, kind of dark with very classical symphonic harmony. Every once in a while going to a related major key but still chugging away as the villains escape in minor. And is that a hi-hat I hear keeping time? Like on a drum kit? It sure is. Again, arranging these tunes to sound more contemporary to mid-80s audiences. theory as to why this hi-hat is in there is to keep it from sounding too symphonic. Because to my ear, this whole piece is based on Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Oh, 
Okay, not that part exactly, but if you keep listening to it and listen to the harmony and the turnarounds, you hear some very familiar lifts. Like this. Sounds just like this. The Fratellis provide quite a few great musical moments in The Goonies, such as this one that I love, the Skull Cave Chase. First, we hear the Fratellis personified by low woodwinds and strings. They're catching up to our heroes, the Goonies, as the music acts as a spatial perceptive function by giving us this quick reminder. The Fratellis are right on our trail. And now, chase music, just like the top of the movie. Textures, as we're starting to notice, are a big part of this score. First, that shimmering synth that we discussed, but we're also treated to an aquaphone, sometimes bowed and sometimes played with mallets. This is usually used to describe a scene where water is visible. Some other unique textures that I want to point out. There's a great musical scene where the kids have to play the bones, a pipe organ made of bones that, if played successfully, will open an escape route away from the Fratellis. But if you play a wrong note, you'll fall to certain death. The scene is largely played with percussion, perhaps to keep the rhythm of the scene going, but leaving melodic and harmonic space for when the keyboard is actually played, at least at first. It could also be because there's something about mallet instruments and the visual of bones. You sort of hear that clacking rhythmic percussion and, and it just so beautifully fits the visuals on screen. Anyhow, let's take a listen to this scene. Mallets and hand drums build tension and then they break out into an Afro-Cuban 6-8 rhythm. No real tonal center here as the strings drive dissonant tension. And then, when the first chord is played, a major organ chord. And Grusin scores the partial opening of their escape route. But the music intensifies, 
and a wrong chord is played by the pipe organ. Brucen scores the action with horns and then some very 80s drum pads going through a delay. Now we're ratcheting up the tension by moving into 4-4 common time. Listen to that rhythm change. play the right notes? Nope, another bad chord. You get the idea. Another great texture can be heard when the Goonies go down the water slide. A moment of fun after a huge chase. And Grusin treats us to percussive synthesizer. It almost feels like a pirate chase version of Smetna's piece, The Moldau, using those fast sixteenth notes for rushing water like a river. go from the water slide shooting out into stage 16 on the Warner Brothers lot with its 2 million gallon water tank. Oh man, I loved water slides as a kid. But wait, we're not done with themes yet. Many of you know what comes next, the big pirate ship reveal, the Inferno. I want to go back because there's another incredible, super effective leitmotif that we still haven't covered yet, and that is the theme for data. Data's theme is bold, brave, but it's also funny, starting with a solo trumpet, and it changes keys a few times throughout, like a ride of the Valkyries. In fact, to my ear, Data's theme does seem like a comedic take on Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries from Die Valkyrie, his second opera from the Ring Cycle. The melody stated here in two phrases, then it changes keys, then two phrases in the new key, then changes keys again. Well, let's listen again to Data's theme. The melody stated here in two phrases, then it changes keys. Then two phrases in the new key, then changes keys again. Due to the music, we're able to track when Data's inventions save the day, such as when Data knocks out the Fratelli brothers with a boxing glove during the aforementioned Play the Bone sequence. But finally, after all their misadventures, the Goonies find One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship. And when we finally see it, we're treated to Dave Grusin's most sweeping melody in the entire picture. 
This melody has all of the characteristics of neoclassicism. The opening fifth, followed by the octave, and then of course down here, and the soaring strings over that, and that harmony. First of all, it has that classic one major sound to five minor. which kind of has this sort of happy victory uh, after a, a really long, dangerous journey. It seems to epitomize wonder, awe, discovery, and a hint of danger. But more importantly, this theme seems to be a variation on the main Goonies theme. Remember this, if we're in this key. This interval right here, right here. So if we're back here. It's almost like it's grown out of that main Goonies melody. I'm gonna go ahead and call this a third melody associated with the Goonies. First we had that main melody. Then we had that uh, spooky melody, that descending synth line. And now we have this melody, as the Goonies overcome their sorrow and achieve greatness. This theme was first stated, actually, very gently, earlier in the movie, in the wishing well scene when the kids discover coins at the bottom of a waterfall and momentarily think that they've found the treasure. We open with harp to describe the beauty of the waterfall, and an oboe gives us this main melody. The synthesizer line and some tremolo strings give us the shimmer of the coins. It's not quite the ultimate treasure, but it hints at what is to come. As the scene progresses, Mikey lays down a challenge to the group. This is our time, he says, our time to save the goondocks, and it's the only time they have left. As he does, the main Goonies melody plays again. Don't you realize? The next time you see Sky, it'll be over another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now they gotta do what's right for them. Cause it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. 
So, when they see the pirate ship toward the end of their journey, and we hear the glorious version of that melody first introduced back in the wishing well that we just played, we know undoubtedly that the Goonies have found One-Eyed Willie. They've done it. The Goonies have found their treasure. Maybe, just maybe, the Goondocks can be saved after all. The Soundtrack Show will continue in a moment. We return now to The Soundtrack Show. The Goonies' original motion picture soundtrack was released in 1985 in conjunction with the movie. Like the soundtrack for Back to the Future, it was a sign of the times, an album filled with pop music, most of which was barely in the picture, if at all, with only one track dedicated to the film composer, as we mentioned earlier. It wouldn't be until years later that we would see a soundtrack release of Grusin's film score. But I have to say, the Goonies just wouldn't be the Goonies without that memorable tune by Cyndi Lauper, placing it right in the middle of the 1980s. Lauper was at the height of her MTV fame, having a huge hit with Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. But now, she's giving us a song that sounds like it's called Good Enough. But the title is actually The Goonies Are Good Enough. Wait, let me say that again. The Goonies Are Good Enough. Is that a pirate pun? I sure hope so. While the lyrics might vaguely have something to do with the Goonies, the song doesn't really have much to do with the movie or its plot. But Lopper does make a cameo on MTV in the Walsh's living room. Later, as the kids escape the house and ride down the hill, we hear a vocal yell, Goonies, as they pedal away. By the way, side note, if you haven't seen the music video, it's a two-parter and it features Captain Lou Albano, which was a WWF wrestler back in the day as, as her father, who was also in the Girls Just Wanna Have Fun video, which was on constant rotation on MTV. But now, it like quadrupled down with wrestling stars. Um, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant, Captain Lou Albano, of course, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov. I mean, there were so many, and it really is a wacky video. Even Steven Spielberg appears in it, and uh, Richard Donner directed it, just like the movies. The cast of the Goonies is in it, and they clearly used all of the standing sets at Warner Brothers to shoot this video. There are other artists on the soundtrack, like Ario Speedwagon, a then-unknown group called The Bangles, which Lopper helped break into mainstream, 
And then there's a track called Eight Arms to Hold You by a group that called themselves The Goon Squad. This song was written for that famous scene with the octopus. Wait, wait, what scene with the octopus? In a deleted scene, in the pirate ship Lagoon, aka Warner Brothers Stage 16, at one point, an octopus attacks Steph and Mouth. Data thwarts this octopus by throwing his Walkman into the jaws of the octopus, with the song Eight Arms to Hold You blaring loudly. The octopus is so taken by the music that it starts to dance itself away from the kids. It actually kind of looks like an octopus moonwalk as it swims backwards if you watch the deleted scene. Stop it now! What? Come on! I said stop it! Stop what? I'm not doing anything. Don't play dumb. Ugh. I said stop it! Ow! What are you hitting me for? I swear it's mouth! I mean, who do you think you are anyway? And here's the song. The scene was apparently cut from the film because it felt too cartoony. Yeah, I could see that. It was available for all of us to finally see on the 2001 DVD of The Goonies, but some of us saw it before that DVD release. True story here. I remember disagreeing about this with an elementary school friend who swore to me that there was an octopus in The Goonies. I thought he was making it up. Uh-uh, yeah, no, there is. No, there's not. Turns out we were both right. While it was deleted from the theatrical release, the scene was added back in when the Goonies ran on the Disney Channel in order to add more runtime to the movie after some objectionable content had been cut out. But back to the film score of the Goonies. I mentioned before that it is filled with Easter eggs, and it's one of the delights of watching the Goonies. In a way, the Goonies takes a page out of, I don't know, a movie like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, or other spoofs of classic film genres. It relies on a lot of famous tropes, but twists them with a fun kid's perspective. In this way, it's a true comedy, and ripe for classic movie, music, and pop culture references and satire. Some references are subtle, some are not. Some were modern, and some reached way back. I mean, the dialogue provided plenty of pop culture references. Rocky, Michael Jackson, The Electric Company, Groucho Marx, so much more. But I want to focus on the music. Let's start with one Easter egg that I think is really interesting and might be a clue as to how Grusin came up with one of his main musical figures, this. 
When the Goonies are in the restaurant basement, by the water cooler, Chunk breaks the cooler, and the running water reveals a hidden tunnel underneath the fireplace. This whole scene is an homage to a 1963 film called The Great Escape, starring Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, who Spielberg would later cast in Jurassic Park, and a slew of other stars. It's all about POWs trying to escape a Nazi prison camp, and at one point, they dig three tunnels, and one of them is under a coffee stove. When a soldier pours himself a cup of coffee and then spills the coffee, and he hears it run down beneath a fake brick floor, he discovers the tunnel. Let's take a listen. Listen to that music as the soldier discovers the tunnel. Now, let's hear the version in The Goonies. I got it! I got it! I got it! I don't got it. You clutch. Hope it's not a deposit bottle. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. I feel like I'm babysitting except I'm not getting paid. Wait. Listen to that. What? So what? Sounds like my grandfather taking a leak, Mikey. Throw still. No, no, it's deep. Like there's a hole or passageway. It's real deep. Get out of the way. Rand is being so sweet to me. Oh, come on! Come on! Where are you? You're in the clouds and we are in a basement. Just guessing here, but is it possible that this scene in The Great Escape was mentioned to Grusin by Spielberg as a reference point or inspiration for his film score. I mean, he ended up composing a similar line that he uses all throughout the film. We can only guess, but the similarities are striking. There are some other musical references, too. When Chunk discovers a dead body, we hear a very psycho-inspired, stabbing musical motif. And they got apple, oh, and they got grape, they got grape, and super-duper chunk eruption, and... When we first meet Data, in addition to his theme, we hear him playing the Monty Norman composed, John Barry arranged main theme for James Bond on his portable radio. Hey, Data, don't mess this one up. If you prepare for the wings of flight. Possibly a nod to Spielberg's love of James Bond and his desire to direct a Bond movie years earlier. And yes, dear listeners, we can't have an episode about the Goonies without mentioning the newest Goonie, the tortured but lovable Fratelli brother named Sloth. We know the story, how Chunk befriends Sloth, and Sloth and Chunk come and save the rest of the kids from the Fratellis at the end of the movie in a very swashbuckling manner. Well, when he appears to his family, 
He rips his collared shirt open to reveal Superman's giant S blazing on his undershirt. When he does this, Grusin catches it and quotes John Williams' theme from 1979's Superman, also directed by Richard Donner. It's also on brand, if you think about it, as Superman is DC Comics, owned by Warner Brothers, and this scene was shot right there on the Warner Brothers lot. Well, this sure has been fun chatting all about the Goonies and its great film score. Wait, 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 wait. You might be asking yourself, what about the most amazing music in the movie? I mean, you mentioned before that there was this neoclassical cue in the Goonies when they found the pirate ship. Yeah, I like that theme. But aren't you forgetting something? You know, a swashbuckling, feel-good action theme? That theme that plays when Sloth and Chunk arrive and saber their way down one of the ship's sails, just like Errol Flynn and Captain Blood? Oh, you mean this cue? Yes, that cue. You know, for years as a kid, upon repeat viewing of The Goonies, this theme, this music cue, was the one that I remembered the most. The one that I would instantly hum when I thought of The Goonies. It's so catchy, so perfect for the moment. And for a long time, I wondered why this wasn't the main theme for The Goonies. The first time we actually hear it is when Sloth is watching Errol Flynn on his TV as he's chained up. All right, my hearties, follow me! The movie he's watching is actually Captain Blood, a Warner Brothers picture from 1935. This music cue actually comes out of the TV. It's a setup that will be paid off later, as Chunk imitates what he saw on the television. Well, this music that we're hearing, of course, isn't from Captain Blood. That film score was written by the great Eric Wolfgang Korngold. For more on him, please check out my episode of the soundtrack show called Corn Gold and Warner Brothers, The Sound of Hollywood Film Scores. But the thing is, even though that music isn't from Captain Blood, that music wasn't written by Dave Grusin either. This swashbuckling, piratey action cue, with a little bit of a Spanish flamenco flair, was actually written by Max Steiner, Spielberg's favorite film composer. It was composed for a much later Errol Flynn film, the Adventures of Don Juan from 1948. 
It fits this movie perfectly. Its sense of fun and sense of adventure. I mean, clearly Dave Grusin rescored this and, and actually timed it to the action. You know, in a way, it's no different than having a Cyndi Lauper song play just moments after your main theme played in that heartfelt melody, that heartwarming scene at the beginning of the movie that we played earlier. This movie is a balancing act of comedy, adventure, and big-hearted bravery. Add nostalgia to that list while watching it years later. The film score for The Goonies follows the familiar pattern of adventurous, thematic writing combined with Grusin's unique sound. It also features several nods, some big, some small, to other classic film scores. And it features a whole other soundtrack of pop music led by Cyndi Lauper and her classic hit song. Taken all together, the soundtrack for The Goonies is as quintessentially 80s as the comedy itself. It is the most difficult thing I ever thought I was going to get into. I never anticipated what it was going to be like. Because individually, they're wonderful, they're nuts. They're, uh, they're the warmest, craziest little things that have come into my life. But in a composite form, you get them all together, and it's mind-blowing. Uh, a lot of their energy and excitement is rubbing off on me. And uh, it's, it's very, very, very gratifying. Actually, when you break the script down, with a, with a creative group that I got like this, I've got from Mike Riva doing the sets and, and, and Nick McLean on camera and this wonderful, crazy group of kids and Spielberg looking over my shoulder all of the time, which I happen to love because... I guess he's the biggest kid of them all and comes up with the best ideas. I never let the kids see this boat. They were banned from the stage from day one, from the start of its construction. And then the day uh, they were supposed to come out of the chute, hit the water, and turn around and see the boat for the first time, they, I brought them all in, not blindfolded, but with their backs to the camera. They all knew what they were going to see, but they had no idea what it was going to look like. And so on film, when they turn and see the boat for the first time, I never really looked at Goonies. Maybe I made a mistake. I never saw it as a, as a fantasy or a, a fairy tale. It's a, uh, it's a true story. We just happened to be documenting the lives of a group of kids in a little town in Astoria, and the kids call themselves the Goonies. Raise your right hand. Okay. Repeat everything we said. I will never, never betray my Goondog friend. We'll stick together until the whole world ends. Through heaven and hell and nuclear wars. Good friends like us will stick like tar. Thank you all so much for listening and for your emails and your comments on social media. I read every single one. Please take a moment to email me at soundtrackshowpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Soundtrack Show HSW or on Twitter at Soundtrack HSW. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at David W. Collins. Thank you. The Soundtrack Show is an iHeartRadio podcast. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.